Rana here, reminding everyone that Naomi Ekperigan's fabulous special for Netflix is coming out December 29th. So mark your calendars, put it in iCal, put a reminder, do what you need to do. Friend of the show, an occasional frenemy of Brian. That's December 29th. The special is called The Stand Ups. And Naomi does a fabulous half hour set. Of course she does. What else would she do? Set your reminders now, and we'll be reminding you. Pardon me. So proud of her. Kiss, kiss. Darling, it's a hundredth episode. One hundred of these, one hundred free feed episodes, and we are celebrating with an American icon. By the way, this is like top of the heap guest this week. Truly, like this is an icon. I mean, this is it's a big get. I hate to tell you. And by the way, not only is it a big get, it is like the highest of highbrow gets. Yeah. No, I mean, this is you know. This guy's got other things to do. Let's I don't even know who to way. compare it to. Yeah. We're just, we're dealing with someone who is partially responsible for the most critically acclaimed television shows in history, basically, or at least of the last few years. Correct. Not to mention someone whose pen people have lived and died by for many years. Absolutely no question. Not to mention dear, dear friend of one Steve Sondheim. Uh, may may he rest in peace. I mean, I let's admit. put it this way. Stephen Sondheim had a lot of respect for this guy. Well put. Yeah. Well put. That's who we're dealing but with. But before we get to fabulous Frank Rich. Fabulous. Which I can't stand it. I'm so excited. I can't even believe it. We need to talk about the fact that it's our 100th episode. Pat 100, Rana. 100. And we have to just get through some of these comments, and we have a couple of pretty great follow-ups as well. Do you want to hear a joke? Do you want to hear a funny joke? Yes. Okay. Boy, it's episode 100, and it would have been fun to do a 420. (sighs) Yes. Okay. It's like a number joke? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was some of your quick math. Yeah. Something happened the other day on the show, which you I can't remember. My, my and I math. thought to myself, I can't believe I didn't ask Brian to do the quick math on that. Quick I can't math, remember baby. what it was. There was some sort of quick math you were supposed to do that you didn't do for us. Soft math. Now, the holidays are right here, Brian. Oh, my God. They're right around the corner. I can't believe. I'm hoping. I'm worried you're going to go to Italy, and yeah. then they're going to put the Omicron uh, embargo. You're not going to be able There's to There's a back. chance I don't come back. I mean, there is actually, and not by my own doing, by, I don't know. What is it? Well, you can always come back to America if you're an American citizen. I hope so. I don't know what the ban or the, I don't know. Uh, yeah. All I know is I hope I get there, and then once I'm there, I will figure it all out. But, Rana. You're just going to have to keep your phone on. No I'm silent. Very, well, don't worry. I've got the embassy on speed dial, but okay, I uh, am At very hours, jealous phone has to because be I've, you know that I have been saying, where's well, the I only first invited place you I want to go? Times. The first, you said, you've said to me over and over, where's the pl- first place you want to go after the, and uh, you've said, it's over. And I said, Italy. You didn't say Italy. You said Italy. 
I said I wanted to be Italy in the 70s. And I want to know if it's crowded or not crowded. I want to hear every inch of it. I can't wait. You'll hear it all, Rana. In the meantime. Wish you were coming. LH37492716488. I think this person put their credit card number or something in by accident. They may have. Uh, That's more like a driver's license number. 10 out of 10. Rana is my Jackie. Oh, my princess die. Huh. I, well, Rana doesn't like Princess huh. Di comparisons for sure because she doesn't think she was an interesting person. Isn't I that trust, right? I trust, I plead the fifth. Fair enough. I just think, <laughs> I think she was a fascination, but I think, and I'm a fan. And I but think you she think did if you sat next to her. A lot of wonderful things for a lot. She did. She was incredible during AIDS. Absolutely. And, and really, Walking really. through those landmines. Brave and incredible in many ways. But I Put don't, China cabinets back on the map. Yes, I don't think she was a great conversationalist, probably. You have said before that if you were sitting next to her at a dinner party, she might be a little less interesting than people might think. Correct. Yeah. I trust her taste and advice implicitly. I never laugh harder than when Brian with a capital Y tells a story. Thank you for all that you do with a smiley face. Well, all I can tell you is if you are not in the carriage house, you better get there. Because if you like my stories, I've got a story that starts with pigs and ends with Well, isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? And it descends into madness. It descends into Domesticated pigs living in a house. it's a true story. It's a true story. it also involves true love. (laughs) You're right. Whoops. I thought it was. Yeah. You're right. You know, I have to say I'm a little insulted. I wanted to hit 3,000 in the carriage house before the end of the year on Patreon, and I'm only at about 2960 or something. Well, it's not the end of the year yet, folks. So, Where you, are your subscriptions for your friends or for yourself? If there are 40 people out there that were thinking about joining the carriage house, now's the time. If you want to make an old woman happy, now's the time. That's I can't go to Rome happily until this is done. Yeah. Okay. IGF12 says five stars, five stars only. Superb podcast. Excellent advice from an elegant older woman and a character from the Looney Tunes. Get out of here. Get out of here. Now, I don't know what this means. Somebody. Oh, I know exactly what it means. What does it mean? Well, there's there's an emoji of a baby and there's an emoji of a pineapple. That's the two of us, Rana. That's Rana Baby and Pineapple Fruity Brian. (laughs) That is who that is. That is so funny. That's Rana Baby and Pineapple Fruit. That's right. Equals five stars. Five stars, five stars only. Again, Rana has mentioned it before, but all you have to do is click on five stars and if you've done it before, you can do it every single time you open every, that Do it every minute of every every time every you're on the toilet. Every minute of every day. Every time you're on the toilet. <laughs> hit five stars. Exactly. All right, Rhonda, we got some great feedback this week. Would you so like These to are people from the carriage house that are commenting on the free feed. What is this? It, I think it might be, yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I can't believe that my this is from someone named A. I can't believe that my first contribution to the carriage house is going to be something so very not shades of vanilla. Hmm. Okay. I think I know where this is going, Mm -hmm. but I was re-listening to the episode with the loud sneezer and remembered something chilling that I had to share. By the way, I love the idea that this person had blocked it until this episode. Yeah. I do love a repressed memory. Me too. A few years ago, I was back in my hometown and out Christmas shopping. I was in my car, stopped at a red light at a large intersection, four lanes of traffic on either side. Okay. One car back. So there was one car stopped ahead of me. 
I was leaning forward, futzing with my phone to get it to navigate to my next destination when I felt a sneeze coming. Now, I am not a graceful sneezer. I am an emphatic, full-body sneezer. Mm. I have been told I sneeze like a trucker. I'm not sure that truckers sneeze in a particular way, but that was clearly meant for contrast. I'm a smallish female academic in my late 20s at the time of this comment. Oh, at the time of that oh, comment. I see. I see. They are saying you were brusque. Right. So I'm in my car and the sneeze is coming fast and I sneeze. My head flies forward and honks my horn. And here's the harrowing part. Oh mm. my God. The car in front of me hears the honk and drives through <gasps> the intersection. What? Through the red light. My sneeze could have killed multiple people. Honestly, if they had gone in an accident, you would have lived with that the rest of your life. Thankfully, no one was hurt, and I'm ashamed to report that the experience did not reform me into a tiny, tiny sneezer from there on out. I still sneeze like a menace, but I'm very huh. careful to keep my head far away from my car horn <laughs> when I do. Wow. Outrageous. You hit your head on the car horn? Also, enough. Do you do your giant sneezing at home, okay? Right. Maybe at the car, roll down your window yeah, and you don't have sneeze to have a, out an the window. orgasm every time you sneeze, okay? Well, as you and Michaela said, that's probably what a lot of these loud sneezers are into. Okay, but let them have it at home. I agree with you, Rana. Yeah. Kathy D. Okay. Oh, I'm, now this was something that came up. People were saying this. I'm still thinking about the copycat wedding dress drama from this free feed. Mm-hmm. I strongly suspect the mother-in-law suggested that dress to the ex-girlfriend. What do you think about that? That is a wrinkle in this story. I did not even consider it. What do you think of it? Well, I don't think that's the case, but maybe it is. I think it's exciting that it's a possibility. It is, ex- it is an exciting possibility. Yeah. That, that's amazing, Kathy. Great, yeah. great suggestion. Yeah. Juliet said, sorry if this isn't the right place to do it. But to the because free she's feed- because she's on pay. I have to say, this is a wonderful example of the kind of conversation and comments that are happening on the Patreon because they're firing on all cylinders over there. Other than the Instagram, it's the only place where you can be in dialogue with other CHIPs. Yep. Yeah. That's right. It's and you fabulous. can and, and because really that's how you get to an amazing assessment like that is yeah. by building off of what people have already put down. Exactly. Juliet says, sorry if this isn't the right place to do it, but to the free feed question about when to get another dog. To me, they sounded like they still needed to heal more. I lost my dog a couple years ago to cancer. I'm sorry. And the rapid decline is so heartbreaking to watch your friend go through. But here's some things that were nice about having a pet-free life for a bit, for me. Dog sitting for friends, temporary short-term fostering or, or dogs day out with kennel dogs, volunteer walking dogs for a kennel. You can travel more freely. We brought our dog's ashes to a special hike in Colorado, and it felt really nice to celebrate him that way. You'll know when the right dog will come along. Heart emoji. It's very sweet. I think it's very good advice. I don't think that this advice applies to the person that wrote in. How come? Because the person that wrote in was not just a dog lover. They were a person that had a vacuum in their life. Right. And they wanted something to love and funnel all their attention into that lived in their home, that they had to get home to take that dog out, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe I'm wrong, but 
Meaning maybe I'm, I don't think I'm wrong about that. Maybe I'm wrong that this isn't good advice because it's true that that person could say, well, now I volunteer for a rescue organization because I had a dog and I lost my dog. And now I do this volunteering because dogs mean so much to me. But so that's all very nice. These are nice ideas. Sure. Well, someone else wrote in about it. Yeah. Yeah. Dear Ron and Brian, I'm writing for two reasons. The first to share with a letter writer who just lost their dog the same advice I gave my teenage daughter a few years ago when she suddenly lost her cat. I told her there is no wrong or right amount of time to wait to get another pet, that the pet you lost understands the depth of your love. Hmm. Oh my gosh, it's so sweet. I would want that love given to another animal. That is sweet. <gasps> That's really nice. Second, I've experienced firsthand the high quality of Connor McKee's customer service. There you go. I accidentally had my two-pack of Negronas mailed to my second home. Excuse Excuse me. me. Excuse me. Mailed to my second home, and he's been working diligently with FedEx to make sure it gets delivered to my primary home. By the way, I can't even believe you're bothering Connor with that. That's your fault. But that's okay. True, but he's happy to sort it out. He's happy to do it. He is quick to respond and always with a kind and cheerful demeanor. Kiss, kiss, Liz B. in Boston. Love you, Liz. P.S. Oh, this feels good. Mm-hmm. This is a, this is serving. This is a win. This is a personal win. Yeah, it is. My husband loves the Huckberry cocktail shaker I gave him for Hanukkah. Rana, I'll I'll never forget being brutalized. <laughs> And slapped across the face with a brick <laughs> when you said you weren't sure you liked the cocktail shaker. <laughs> I'll never forget being punched in the gut. The way you attacked me that day, I'll never forget it. Well, I also want to say that uh, she said for Hanukkah, not Veronica, so she doesn't even count. <laughs> you're right. Liz, you're a very complicated person. Cynthia Dupree Sweeney was going to get the Huckberry. I haven't heard from her yet. And I also happen to know, in case her sons are listening, that she bought absolutely everything for her sons for Christmas off of your uh, Veronica list. Honestly, Cynthia is truly the So best. that's a compliment. She's got impeccable taste. It is, Rana. Now, wait a minute. Somebody else wrote in about the wedding dress. Uh, yes, they did. Dear Ron and Brian, to begin with, I was so beyond excited to hear the recommendation I sent in mentioned during Ronica. I recommended the wine remover spray. Oh, that's very cute. That, that was, was a fabulous a Very cute stock, stocking stuff. Yeah. Totally. That was the highlight of my month. I told all my friends who listen because I forced them to subscribe. And now, of course, they're obsessed with the podcast. Well, don't just have them subscribe. Have them do five stars, five stars only. Rate and review. Even yeah. just rate. And they were very impressed. I have advice for the woman who wrote in about the dress that her partner's ex also wore. My friend and I actually bought the same wedding dress without meaning to when we got married. Wow, without meaning to. Our weddings were three months apart. I can say absolutely no one noticed. We just dressed them up differently. She did classic simple jewelry with a white rose bouquet. And I wore a satin peach belt with a bunch of tropical flowers in my hair, bouquet, and also a lei. We got married in Hawaii. I think she just mixes up the detail and makes them different enough. No one will notice it's the same dress. I hope that helps. Lots of love, Elena. I think Elena's right. Accessorize, accessorize, accessorize. That's right. Make it your own. Just keep putting jewelry on as much as you can. 
forget what Coco Chanel said. She said, take one thing off. We yeah. say to put one thing on. One thing on. Honestly, walk down the well, aisle with a with certainly a Elena did that. She looks like, yeah, she looks like Cam and Miranda from her description. So true. She's got all <laughs> kinds of flowers and fruits and all of it. She's ready to go. <laughs> but yeah. And all she needs is a bird on her shoulder. That's what I was going to say. Walk with a parrot on your shoulder down the aisle because yeah. then no one will notice you. Uh, so listen to me. I know we no. have to get to our fabulous guest, but I you have to tell people, people have been writing in rave, 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 rave reviews about Vienna and Winter. We already knew they loved the It's Ronca the most, blends. I'm going to be honest with you. I can't say it's the most delicious because I, I have a different feeling for one or the other every day. But they're also, I mean, I, I would say shades of vanilla. Honestly, it does change every day because I think I do love passionately carrot chops, shades of vanilla in Vienna and winter equally passionately. And that my mood strikes me different on it every different day. But the people, if you're a cinnamon person, the cinnamon people are going crazy for Vienna in winter. And I just want to remind people that when it's gone, it's gone. It's only here to the end of the month. Same for the Ronica blend. I mean, I'm literally going to go buy more bags right now because I forgot that it was, I forgot you can't subscribe to it. AskRonicaCoffee.com. The Negranas, and as people, as Liz B said from Boston, that Kana has the most impeccable taste and customer service. And you can go to negrana.com or you can go to Fiasco Brooklyn and you can buy straight from him if you want to have him pick something out for you, et cetera, et cetera. I ordered the old-fashioned set for myself. How about that? Fabulous. As well you should have. The year you've had? Thank you. Come on. Thank you. Incredible. Thank you. That you is still either the number one or number two show on Netflix, I hate to tell you. Look, don't tell what's her face because she didn't – what was her name? The lady from Fox News, Laura Ingram. She can't understand it for the life of her. Laura so, Ingalls Wilder. Laura Ingram, the the, the <laughs> asshole from Fox News. Uh, so we're about to talk to Frank Rich, and I don't uh, want to bring I don't want to bring this up because the cast is so incredible. I don't want to play favorites, so I don't want to sort of play favorites with him. Shiv. But Justin Kirk, who was a friend of this show, yes. was so incredible on yeah. succession this season. Looks so. I know you're a little behind, so maybe you haven't seen it. I am it. a little behind, but I will say Justin Kirk is a phenomenal actor with phenomenal presence who I will watch in what anything. What an actor, and he's terrific in everything, but he is so out of the pack, fantastic on succession. He is fantastic. He looks incredible. Which is so good because handsome. I have to tell you, all, I will never forget that time he underdressed for. Um, for the cameo he made. Well, you you'll, then you're going to laugh when you see him on Succession. <laughs> no, he's so handsome and he always looks great. And I hope and he's, he's going to- Terrific. Win. Yes, I hope he's going to- Are we going to do Lonely Hats in the Carriage House again this- uh, Well, I hope so, only to see Valentine's what Justin Kirk Star- wears. If, yes, for no other reason, to, just for that. Just to see if he wears an old bootcut jean and a t-shirt <laughs> or something. Maybe he got to keep the suit from Succession. He's Maybe. incredible. Maybe. Uh, but everyone yeah, is so phenomenal. good on that show. But I had to give a little shout out because he's a Carriage House sweetheart, of course. Yes. Uh, but I'm not going to pressure Frank into making sure that his storyline's even bigger for next year. I can feel that it's the the, the uh, storm clouds gathering. Well, and he, we got confirmation that Frank listens to this show. So there you go, Frank. There you go. There you go. And we should say a shout out to Frank's son's mother-in-law, whose name I do not know, Absolute. but I know that she's a listener. You're about to understand. Do we talk about her on the show? I can't remember yeah. now. We do. Or was that in our pre- Pre-conversation. It might I don't have been remember. in our preamble. But all you have to all we have to tell you is that 
the right Park Avenue woman is listening to this show. The right people continue to listen the right to the show. Continue. The people that know. The discerning the people. people. The yeah. culture the culture movers and shakers in New York are, are listening. You know, you laugh, but how many times I'm not, does I'm it not, happen? It's not a joke. It's something newsy that gets broken on this show. We talk about it, and I'm not kidding. A month later, six weeks later, it hits the zeitgeist, and no one knows that it started here, whatever it was, yeah. or that we called it. So you need to start telling your friends that we called it, everybody. Yeah, so people, you know, would it kill people to tell people to listen to the show? Yeah, come on. What are you waiting for? Honest to God. All right, I'm done begging and pandering. All right, Marlene. Uh, Sorry, I just saw the M and so it made me. Uh, you know why I have that up is because my sister's coming up. She's I coming. Told you I, you yeah. did tell me she was coming. That yeah. was we, somebody asked the question about what do you do with a gift you don't like in the with on Jason Butlahana, and I can't believe I forgot to say you do what I do. Put it out you when they it when they come over. They're coming over exactly. Yep. All right, dear. I absolutely adore you. I love you, Rona. I can't wait to hear every minute of every detail of You're your trip. But all. in the meantime, let's get to our fabulous, fabulous guest. I can't wait. Mr. Frank Gritch. Uh, happy 100, Rana. Happy 100, Brian. Thank you. Attention, Carriage House members. Rana here to tell you all about Anchor.fm. Anchor is the fabulous app that we use to create our podcast. And let me tell you something. You can use it to create a podcast of your own. It's totally free. They have these terrific creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, if you're that sort of person. I have a staff, excuse me. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes, which is pretty fabulous. The possibilities are totally endless. So download the free Anchor app now or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Kiss, kiss. Brian. Rana, this is as fancy as this show has ever been. And I know he won't call himself fancy, but I'm telling you outside looking in, he is Baccarat to me. Well, I personally take, I'm a little offended by that because I'm on the show every week. So well, that's true, Rana, but say I get this used to you. To me now, you're been. Waterford, and he's a Barker. I just Waterford. have to be honest. Well, I just have to be honest, Rana, because I'm used to you. I use, I use you in my daily life, and for him, I pass a window, and I think one day. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, that's, that's you don't know, Frank. You don't know the real Frank. That's what I'm well, going to say Well, and you do, that. Rana? It, no question. Okay? How do you know Frank, Rana? We're, look, I've told people before, I have a New York circle, Okay. Oh, I have don't a talk circle. about her. Don't talk about her. We're just going to say that, let's just say Frank, <sighs> Frank and Alex have floated in and out of that circle. Okay? That's what we're going to say. You're talking about Elaine? No, Alex. You're talking about his wife. No, I know. But are you talking about the circle being Elaine? Of course. She's of course. so rude to me. She's so rude to me. So well, dismissive. you and Frank can get into that together. We have today, pardon me, oh uh, a total American icon. Truly, it though. It wasn't enough. It wasn't enough that he is one of the most influential journalists uh, of the last, I don't know, 50 years, I'm going to say. I would that's even sort call of insulting him, to Frank. It makes him sound old. Well, I would even call him a culture shaper in many ways. Fair enough. Yeah. So then he goes, he does that. That's fine. Now he decides he has to shape culture through television and streaming, et cetera, et cetera. He's only been the producer on about 
six of the most fabulous things that have come I'm out in the prob- last 10 on years. the most acclaimed comedy Veep, and then of course on the most acclaimed drama, Succession. Well, some people think Succession is a comedy. We're going to get well, into you know, it. one person doesn't, Rana, and that's I'll tell one. you who that is. The, ask the New Yorker who that person is. We don't have to get into it. Well, you can that's not about. I don't know that we want to touch the New York. I don't, don't think enough, we do. We don't have enough time to get into the New Yorker piece. No, and we don't. And why they assigned that piece to somebody who had a personal relationship with the. Uh, subject who I personally think it was a little bit of a vendetta. See, to me, base, that's good that's, journalism. That's my, I don't know if it is good. I wonder if that is actual journalism. Well, but should we ask? Well, we the, may as well have him join us. He's been here for 20 minutes listening to us talk about him. The inimitable, the iconic <laughs> Frank Rich is here. Frank, I can't, I can't believe you found the time for us. I can't either. I'll be honest. I'm very honored to be here. Thank you for having me. How are you, Frank? Are you getting excited for the holidays? You're looking forward to it? Yeah, I am looking forward to the holidays. I'm like I, a lot of other people, I think, exhausted and, and yeah. from being shut in for two years. No, not really, but I, I'm, I'm looking forward to a break and uh, being with my family and, and ducking COVID, you know, the full holiday experience. And has New York got a little bit of the twinkle back, would you say? Is there any holiday twinkle at the moment? There's a lot, actually. I mean, and, and the city, the city, particularly having lived through the past couple of years, city seems shockingly back to life, except for certain sections of it, like where any there, wherever there are a lot of office buildings, no one's working in office right. building. But um, I've been to the theater now a couple of times. I go to restaurants. Uh, traffic is just god awful again during oh, rush no. hour. But I think underneath it all. There's trepidation about the new variant, and no one, re- you know, no one here knows more any more than anyone else. And even though everyone has their booster that I know, people are a little bit wary now about uh, yeah. inside suddenly and perhaps going to the theater and movies. And um, yeah, everyone's you know. living in this liminal space between they've had enough of it. It's time to come out. People were starting to come out of their shells and adjusting to what that felt like, and now wondering whether it's time to shut down again, basically. If it's lurking. It's lurking. I would say one thing, having been to LA a couple of times, two or three times over the past, since you could travel again over the past five months, LA is definitely behind New York. And how much, every time I've noticed that it's always like five or six weeks behind New York in terms of how much people are out and around. And so it's been sort of interesting for us to go to New York and see family and friends and see, oh, things that we're doing here, they're not doing yet. So whatever is happening in L.A., you think it's further advanced here. I just want everyone to know I might not be in L.A. right now, but I will defend it to the death. And what you just said, Frank, I think is atrocious. Wow. And I think if you you can you can bash LA in your next column in New York magazine, I don't care, but not on my watch. <laughs> I not like LA. I'm not I'm I not <laughs> but yeah. It's but the classic New York LA axis. And Frank was taking his chance to say that New York was ahead of Los Angeles. Well, by the way, it is. We can, yeah. It is in yeah. every way, actually. No, <laughs> no, okay. no, no. Frank, I, of, I like California. Go on. You've had I an up and down month, Frank. We lost on time. We 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 also have had the incredible success of Succession over the last. Uh, I mean, the show is on its third season. It's very successful, but we're we're right in the middle of the, uh, you know, the finale, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Don't spoil it, Frank. Don't spoil it for anybody who's a week late to it. But 
The butler did it. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> You've ruined um, lives just now. <laughs> um, on the subject of uh, Steve Sondheim, yeah, there's not, there's 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 really nothing that hasn't been said well by many people. But I think for those of us who were close to him, and I first met him when I was in college, I can't believe that story. Ago, yeah, I, uh, and it's I, an incredible story. You and, wrote a piece about follies in the Harvard paper, and Stephen Sondheim saw it and wanted to meet you. Yeah, really crazy, and really it was a life changing thing for me. Um, and uh, in the past 20 years or so, we've become, you know, close friends. He was 91, but he wasn't ill. And I had uh, a hilarious conversation with him five days before he died. We were making plans to um, have dinner in January after the holidays. He was an enormous fan, as I was forever, of a British actress named Harriet Walter, who is in succession. She plays Lady Caroline, Logan's ex-wife. And Harriet uh, uh, was coming here in January. She mainly lives in London. Um, and we were going to have dinner with her because he was dying to meet her and vice versa. And so it was kind of a shock the morning after Thanksgiving to just get the call um, that he had died. And and it happened, you know, very suddenly. I mean, on after, by all accounts, a rollicking Thanksgiving dinner with friends in Connecticut, where he had a country house where he spent a lot of the pandemic. And so I guess that's the way to go, but it's been devastating to um, all of us yeah. in the room because it, besides being a big loss, it, we, you know, of course you expect someone 91 to die, but still, the way, it was a shock because no one expected it like tomorrow. People were and, so touched by his work. I mean, Brian, you had an incredible post, but it was so many people that felt that they had to say something personally about how moved they were to their, on a, on a sort of molecular level by his work. It's amazing for two reasons. Well, first of all, I have a friend who's, um, uh, 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 I'd say a tit- without, he's a titan in the, in the music industry and has done some work through the years involving uh, uh, Steve Sondheim, uh, but also done work with a lot of top artists in, in, in both the classical and and modern and pop field, um, that's not David me, Foster, is it? No, and it's somebody in New York, and 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 uh, <laughs> I really he, didn't he, want it to be David Foster. Yeah, it's not David Foster. No, you didn't. And, um, <laughs> but he, about a month, we were having lunch about a month before Steve died, and we were just talking about Steve in some general way, uh, and he said, you know, I don't think there's a person in any art form in American culture, not just music, who's more universally beloved than he is. And, and that was sort of borne out by the reaction to his death. What's fascinating to me is someone who's known him so long, followed him so long, he was uh, greeted with scorn for much of his career. You know, when West Side Story opened on Broadway in 1957, when he was in his 20s, most people didn't even mention that he wrote the lyrics. When a yeah. funny thing happened away, the forum opened a few years later where he wrote the musical and. lyrics. No, it got good reviews, but most people didn't even mention him. They regarded right. him as just a secondary. And then shows like Company and Follies that were now um, considered classics got crappy reviews in the Times at the time. And so it's really it's really amazing. Um, Sunday in the Park with George lost the Tony Award uh, 
uh, most of his shows lost the Tony Award. And yet the stuff is so great, it has a permanence. And even his flops, like a merely roll-along, are, cons- are done more often than, you know, My Fair Lady. It's just it, it, it revived more often. So it's- I think it's what took me from being like, I think one of the first Broadway albums I heard as a kid was probably like Les Mes or Phantom or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I remember the very first time I heard a Sondheim show was music from Company and then Sunday in the Park with George right after that, before I had seen the shows or anything. And I, it just, I think this probably happens to many people. Something goes off inside you to where you feel seen and you feel um, that you're understanding yourself a little better and looking at things a different way. And it, it's extremely exciting to be introduced to his work and then... To appreciate it, he's there was. I, I, I think it's a. I think it's a great point. I think he does speak to people. And what's interesting is no one wrote more a larger variety of characters. I mean, he wrote everyone from uh, Gypsy Rosalie to Georges Seurat to uh, Commodore Perry, the the admiral who opened up Japan, and Japanese characters to uh, you know elite Scandinavians and little night music to a homicidal killer like Sweeney Todd. It's to, it, to the Elaine Stritch character and company, what a uh, the the fairy tale characters in Into the Woods, what a range, you know, that he could inhabit those characters. He often said he did it like an actor, that he was, you know, inside them, internalize him, because he didn't have those experiences, you know, right. he's a conventional upper middle class, New York City Jewish, you know, upbringing. He wasn't like spent a lot of time in Japan or around murderers that I know but about. What, did, um, what an imagination, though. Yeah. And imagination, what an understanding of yeah. humanity. Capable, capable of so much understanding. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and empathy with all kinds of people, you know, um, including bad people. One thing that when Succession started, uh, one complaint about it, I went through it a little bit on V2, is why should we care about these despicable, horrible, narcissistic assholes and um, I think one reason it, it works in succession is because the writers and the actors somehow find, make the characters so real that you find some human elements in them, even if their behavior is despicable. And so Steve could, you know, burrow into a horrible mother like the mother in Gypsy or Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd, or, yeah. You know, or uh, you name it and, 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 and make it, Make it live. When you Make look at the well, speaking of horrible characters, we're going to read out letters in about two seconds. But the <laughs> but the but when you look at Succession and you watch the, I think part of what and and this I think goes with what you were saying. Part of what you connect to is that you see that these characters, as awful as they can be, are all acting. Not they're all acting from a place of insecurity. At all times, they are all defending their whatever little piece of whatever they have, and they can mm-hmm. all crumble at any moment. And you see them collapse and rebuild themselves over and over again within the space of an episode, but certainly within the space of a season. And I think, you know, we're not going to talk about the New Yorker profile, but I think it's why Jeremy Strong's performance is so affecting that you go from thinking, what an absolute laugh buffoon this guy is to being devastated by him in the space of, you know, it happens with all of them. They all just play the game a little bit differently, but it's incredible when you, when you can connect to that humanity, which is that they are acting from 
their weakest part, not this, and projecting their strongest part. I think anyone can relate to that, really. But absolutely, absolutely. You know that that's very well put. You know, and it's Brian Cox plays Logan says, quoting Jesse Armstrong, who the writer who created the show. Logan does love his children at some level. How he expresses it, how he treats them, is another story. But but he does, and you do feel very much that Roman, uh, and to some extent, all the kids love their dad, twisted as he may be and as those relationships may be, and they want to please him, even if they want to please him in the most awful ways or ill-fated ways, depending on how the story is going. At any given well, so moment. much of the show is just about separation. It's about, you know, can they separate from him and can't they? And, and whatever that, that push and that pull of a child and a parent, et cetera, et cetera. But mm-hmm. uh, it's a fabulous show. And Thank I, I you. know you're deeply involved and you were deeply involved with Veep. And it's just, I mean, you've, you have brought us so much terrific so many terrific things to consume, Frank, no in your lifetime. Them. So we have to thank you for that. Frank, and all I, I truly, though, am, am, I have to save face just for myself. Was Forum panned in previews or overseas or something? Oh, no. What happened with Forum, and it's <laughs> something— it just for me? No, but this—it's actually a story that I told Steve Sondheim the first time I met him. When I was, like, 12 years old— a funny thing happened where the forum was trying out on its way to Broadway in Washington, D.C., where I lived as a kid. And I saved up money from a paper route. I was already falling in love with the theater. And with my parents' permission, I wasn't, I couldn't transport myself. Mm-hmm. I was like in the seventh grade. I got I bought tickets by sending in a mail order. It opens oh, in wow. advance. It opens in DC for a three-week run. It gets savage reviews not only that but the critics say it's filthy that's like burlesque there's a brief debate in my family whether i would even be allowed to use these the ticket and i took you know a little girl in my seventh grade class and they said oh whatever we go we go to the last saturday matinee before we moved to broadway in new york and i'm so excited because i got the tickets back in the mail and they're the fifth row center and i you know, paid four dollars and eighty cents. I still remember them. It's a seventeen hundred seat house, the National Theater in D.C. We come in, my friend Nancy and I. We take our seats, and there is no one behind us in the entire theater. The reviews have been so bad in Washington. A week later, it goes to New York, and becomes a complete smash hit. It got rave reviews in New York, even if Steve was slighted in those reviews. So some years pass, 20 years pass. I'm in college. I meet Steve uh, at his request after I'd written about him, about Follies. And I, 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 know, I tell him the story. And he said, oh, I remember that. The smallest house I've ever seen a show of mine play to in my life. There were 50 people in the house. Oh. And he said, that day, Hal Prince was the producer and Steve were visited by Jerome Robbins, who was not involved with Forum, but they had done both West Side Story and Gypsy With to look at it. And he said he saw the matinee and he said they were going to, Hal Prince was going to close it in Washington, not even bring it to New York. And Robbins said, don't close it, bring it to New York, change the opening number, which they did. Uh, and it was a number of Steve. He said, Let's Steve have comedy said, tonight, right? Comedy tonight. Although the opening number they had, which was called Love is in the Air and the Simpson Accord, also 
wonderful. It's not like it changed the show that dramatically, but it was a very good number, which Robbins, without billing, choreographed. And it opens to get these great reviews. And that's when I learned from that day till now, there's people in D.C. know almost nothing about anything. And certainly, <laughs> and certainly, and certainly know nothing about culture. I don't care how many Kennedy Center honors they have, you know, they gave it ultimately to Steve, but he was treated shabbily with his own stuff there. You know, it's like, I love um, that. Yeah. I got to so tell you, you have provided with that story. Every single one of the many gay people who listen to the show are all on their fainting couches right now. No doubt about it. Well, and a couple of the amazing. straight people. And Brian. a couple of the straight people, too. Oh, of course. Of course. But also, we are we are all fainting. And a couple of the story. pluses. And a couple of the pluses. Uh, right. I'll tell you one more story <laughs> that will feel a very limited audience. Well, the fr- uh, show's almost to... over, Frank. And we I don't mind. Take one I don't piece mind. Very, Keep quick. going. Keep going. My, my last conversation with Steve. <laughs> this is like a Make-A-Wish Foundation for Brian this episode. <laughs> it is, it is. Brian, this is your holiday present. You're not this getting anything is. else. fine with me. I love it. <laughs> last conversation with Steve. This was a sort of interest like 10 people, but I think you may be one of them. Um, he said, I ever tell you the story about Arthur, Arthur Lawrence. Uh, sure. And Forum. So Arthur Lawrence was the author of the book of West Side Story and of Gypsy among other things, the way we were, was a mentor to Steve. They ultimately had various fallings out because Arthur was known to be the most savage, you know, critical, uh, nasty. People joke with us, I knew him, he's dead now. And so he says, well, Arthur came down to Washington and saw Forum, and he went up to Larry Gilbart, who wrote the book of Forum, and said, uh, hey, I really liked it. Larry Gilbart said, thanks. Show, three weeks later in New York, Arthur goes and sees it again, runs into Larry Gilbart and says to him, I saw it for him again. I, I really liked it. And Larry said, to him, well, uh, I know you told me that a few weeks ago in Washington. He said, Arthur said, this time I mean it. <laughs> Savage. I love <laughs> anyway, it. We can that's, leave that aside. That will a, not make the final cut of this, but I just... Of course, are you oh, kidding? That, that fabulous. That was, that, was my la- that was part of my last conversation with Steve. That's how alive he was telling stories like just, that. Then did he see the new West Side Story? Did he have a chance to see it? He saw it months ago. He was a big fan of it. He was a big fan of the Assassins and the company that are both running in revivals in New York. With Katrina Lenk, who's fabulous. Yes, I have not. I saw this company in London. I haven't seen Katrina Lenk do it yet. It's a different actress over there. He also went to two plays uh, the day before he died. He went to a matinee evening of two straight plays that were running at the Lyceum Theater, two experimental plays. He was completely out and around, you know, and um, he was anyway. 91. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. What a life. Yeah. All right. Let's help these low lives who are nothing like Stephen. Let's talk about people that have real problems now, <laughs> shall we? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, we're going to do three questions. We'll do them as quick. I know you have a, a theater tickets tonight, so we're going to do them as quickly as possible. And if for some reason we run out of steam, we'll let you go. For sure. Uh, okay. Okay. By the way, the theater tickets tonight, again, this is necessarily for the broadcast, are for James Lapine's new show. Wow. Who's Steve's, par- yeah. Steve's partner on Sunday in the Park, co-author and director and 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 Into the Woods. So this is okay. his his show, which he's been in previews in a while. What's the show? It's, it, it's, at, it's called Flying Over Sunset. It is a new musical, and it is based, as I understand it, still an hour away from seeing it, speculatively on what might have happened, the fact that in Beverly Hills, 
in the <sighs> 1950s or early 60s, Cary Grant, Aldous Huxley, and Claire Booth Luce all tripped on acid. Which Mike really actually dropped. happened. That's that's nothing that's been known. I don't know to what extent, if at all, they knew each other, but as I understand it, they were all in LA at the same time and all exper- experimented with LSD. And Lapine has written and directed um a musical, and, and I'm sure it's like Sunday. I don't I've not hadn't seen it yet, but you can imagine that someone the, the guy who wrote Sunday in the Park and Into the Woods, yeah, what he would do with raw material like that and where he might take it. So and who's playing Cary Grant? Who do you get to play Cary Grant? It, it um, was, I know, but I've, it, it's not somebody famous. Cary Grant, was, be- Cary Grant is one of those people who wasn't even Cary Grant. Archibald Leach, wasn't that his name? Except that he was. I mean, to watch Cary Grant move was it's one of the most nice. incredible, you- I mean... There's nobody like Cary Grant. It's it's a Broadway performer named Tony, um, I think it's pronounced Yazbek, uh, who is a very accomplished singer-dancer. He was Tulsa in one of the the revivals of Gypsy. Gypsy. You know, he's been around. And and, and I think it must draw on the fact that Cary Grant, of course, began as a vaudeville dancer and Yes, he was an acrobat. Yeah. 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 Which is why he could still do to catch a thief at 150 years old. Sure. However, yeah, <laughs> I always love watching those movies and then looking up how old those fellas were when they did those Hitchcock movies, and they were, all, you know, all 55. Yeah. And, yeah, and he was like such a good physical comedian too. It Incredible. makes sense that he was an acrobat. Incredible. Okay, dear all right, Rana. Rana and Brian and wonderful guest Frank. Truly. How this works? People send the letters in. They have nowhere else to turn, obviously, if yeah. this is where they've turned. We're not experts at all, but we, we're just wonderful people who give flawless advice. We're just two people that are right most of the time. That's all we are. Got it. Okay. Got it. We're not doctors. I'll try we're to screw this. it up. I'll try that. to screw it up. <laughs> you speak from the hat. You give. You speak your truth, Frank. And it's the, look, they wrote in. You don't have to feel you have to handle them with kid gloves. They know what they're in for. If you want, you ask a question, you're going to get an answer on this show. Got it. That's it. Dear Ron and Brian, a wonderful guest. Should you choose to read this on the free feed? Here we are. Proud CHIP here from the beginning. Those are our VIPs in our Patreon show. That's right. Thanks for all the laughs you've provided me and my husband over the last few years. We're thrilled to hear about the arrival of baby Steve. Congrats to you, Ron and Jordan. Okay. I have a dinner party etiquette question I hope reaches your desk in time for the holidays. We moved to NYC from NYC to a nearby and predominantly white suburb earlier this summer. I'm going to think probably Pelham or something like that. Okay. As a lifelong New Yorker, I have to admit it's been lovely to have space I never had growing up in the city, and we've all come to enjoy our lives here and the people we've met through my three-year-old's preschool community. The neighbors in my hood, however, while seemingly welcoming, are at different family slash slash life stages, most of them being on the older side with grown adolescent children. We've been invited to a progressive holiday dinner. Each course of them, oh, progressive as in we go from place to place, not politically, politically, possibly also politically progressive, possibly not though. Uh, each course of the meal is hosted at a different person's house. And I offered to make panil, which is a Puerto Rican roast pork shoulder that I always make for my family and friends this time of year. 
Because my son is unvaccinated, however, I didn't want to host everybody at my house. Okay, I mean, here we go. He's three. Another neighbor, a middle-aged white mom of grown children whom I've met once, maybe twice before, offered to host the main dinner in her house and solicited others to bring sides. This morning, the host called me to chat about what I was bringing to the party. She began the conversation. I don't know if you know this about me, but I am an absolute foodie. When you say you'd make a pernil, I Googled it immediately. They spelled it phonetically. I Googled it immediately, and it looks so delicious. She went on to quiz me about whether I use a specific recipe, what ingredients I use, how I season the meat, where my family is from, whether I make it in the Puerto Rican or the Dominican tradition, etc. Then she says, she is going to make one too. Oh my God. Dueling paneels. Wow. So we can have two pork shoulders at the same time. She didn't say the word competition, but it sure feels like one. Now we are going to be a bunch, 28, but she couldn't have asked me to make two or to buy an extra large pork shoulder or offer to make a honey glazed ham or whatever other meat dish it is white ladies in their 50s traditionally make. No offense, Rana. Well, I would never have a honey baked ham. Well, I'm just going to say, I, I, yeah, ham isn't necessarily. It's not that Jewish I don't eat dish. him, but right, right, I mean, I don't eat him. I eat so, prosciutto. I don't eat him. There's a difference. Oh, I see. Uh, you're not yeah. kosher. Yeah. yeah. No. Okay. Uh, I'm not kosher. I'm just discerning. Sure. I thought she was asking me how I prepared the dish because she wanted to rule out any allergens of food restrictions. Well, I know it's not the worst example of cultural appropriation. It is the first time I felt directly sort of attacked in that way. She even tried to enlighten me on how appropriate it was to make a pineal because she read that it was a dish typically eaten around the holidays. Uh, yeah, that's why I offered to make it. I've already been on the fence about even attending because of Omicron and my unvaxxed son, but it would be impossible to back out now, wouldn't it? Do I go and make the best pork shelter of my life and never accept another invitation? These are my neighbors. I don't want to make things too weird. FYI, there will also be a white elephant portion of the evening. Sounds like a nightmare. And I'm considering bringing something petty like a cookbook of recipes from the 13 colonies or a copy of white trash cooking, <laughs> a real book, apparently looking forward to any advice you have for this. Now you Is that how you say that? I say new but I don't know which new Eurekan transplant navigating white suburbia for the first time. Thanks. Please don't use my real name. What do you think, Frank? Does she, Fight fire with fire. What should she do here? Is it cultural appropriation? <laughs> she should move. <laughs> that is move outable. That's a move outable offense. Yeah. First of all, this one, this neighbor sounds like uh, uh, she's insane. Second of all, <laughs> the, uh, I mean, second of all, the, the time it took to, to for her to write this, the, the questioner to write this narrative, she could have made both. Pork shoulders during that time. Oh, finally, Frank. You have finally, no clue. You don't know these people. They need to be heard. They need every word to be heard. Finally, I would say that the letter writer should suddenly discover that she went on one of those sort of DNA, you know, find sure. out your heritage. 23 and, and May. Discover exactly. 
discovered that she was part Jewish and said she can't eat pork. End of story. <laughs> and just say, I'm not making the pork anymore. No, and I can't eat your pork either. Yeah. And <laughs> it's actually really offensive to me that you're making it. And by the way, I actually think, based on friends of mine and family of mine, probably with the, you probably don't want it. If the three year old was going to go, I don't think so. I don't think the three year old should be exposed, quite frankly. 28 people is a lot of people. That is a lot, a lot of people. A lot of people. Yeah. I don't care. And I have to say, you know, I, I, I have uh, two sons, both with, with, Children who are five and younger, but only one of the four children between the two of them is five, and that child has been vaccinated. Oh, wonderful. Because he could, but the others can't be, and they're being hugely protective in both, in, in various cities, including New York, of exposing kids who are not vaccinated to any situation like that. So I think she has a good out. I, there's your out right there. That's yeah, that is true. That's it. End of end of story. I think you want it out in this situation. I don't think there's any winning here. You're going to go. You're not going to have a good time. You're going to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. You're going to spend the whole time comparing whatever they did to what you did. And you have the ability to say to this person, you know, we thought about it and with the new variant, et cetera. And I already shared my recipe with you anyway. So I, I hope everybody enjoys it. Let me know how it goes. That's true. Because the, the new variant is sort again. of new news. Like you can use that as a thing of like, you know, this really, we've been thinking about this and we don't know that this is right. But yeah, that is some true far from heaven neighbor craziness. That someone would do that. That someone would pick mm -hmm. up exactly what you're cooking. And by the way, you also know this is going to be an indoor oh, it does event because, it? It's, yeah. because it's in yeah. the Northeast. But yeah, that this person would do that. And then whether she consciously meant to or not, I think she did. See if she could one-up you. Gross. That is Gross. what this relationship will be. So if you think that's fun to have a crazy neighbor, that's fine. And you can you can engage with this woman. But you've only just moved there. It's a terrific time to set the boundary of, you know. I don't play that we're game. We're happy to come to the potluck, but we're not ever going to be in to have an individual relationship here. And it does not have to be said. It just You just have to bow out, I think. Mm -hmm. And, you know. Don't make your dulce de leche for the next party or what, you know, if she asks you what you're making, tell her you're making thumbprint cookies or mayonnaise. Tell her you're making yeah, homemade I'm making mayonnaise. mayonnaise. No, tell her you're making some kind of exotic <laughs> dish involving innards, like yes. tripe or whatever that no one yeah. wants Menudo. to eat. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. And and, 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 with a, and with a novel recipe which calls for the addition of chocolate mint ice cream. Oh. <laughs> I'm gonna th I'm gonna throw up everywhere. Terrific. Uh Brian, speaking of vaccination, why don't we do that one now? You wanna oh, read sure. that one? Yeah. Okay. Dear, dear Rana and Brian and distinguished guest. Frank Rich. Lo Frank Rich. Longtime listener, first time writer, and I must thank you for keeping the carriage house bright and gay even during the summer hiatus. I write to ask for your thoughts on how to talk to my mom about getting vaccinated. Background. Since the podcast has taught me that it's always relevant, I'm 25. My mom is in her mid-50s. She lives on Long Island where I was raised and I live in the city. My mom is a liberal through and through. She despises Trump and has never expressed anti-vax views in the past. I have one brother and both of us were vaccinated as kids, of course. But in the last few years, as she's become more interested in yoga and clean living, oh boy, she started 
listening to a radio show here in New York hosted by the alternative medicine guru, Gary Null. I don't know him. Do you know who this person is, Frank? I don't know him, but I know that he has an operation in in my neighborhood in New York. He's he's one of these people who's been around for decades, uh, sells these like, you know, vitamin supplements, the chocolate supplements that look whatever. Sure. If you're unfamiliar, as I was when she first spoke of him, Null has been known to rally against vaccine mandates in schools and is a is a seller of a line of dietary supplements, as you were saying. He's written books about how a plant-based diet in tandem with these supplements can stave off aging, as well as more snake oil claims like, oh boy, treating AIDS and cancer. This is about the time in my research where my stomach really started to turn. Akitop has outed him as someone who's actively harmful to the HIV and AIDS community as he is an HIV denier, denying that HIV, this seems wonderful, (laughs) denying that HIV causes AIDS. As a gay man, this is particularly offensive. Upon further digging, I learned that his academic credentials were attained at a college with no actual campus, and his thesis review process has been called into question numerous times over the years. My mom refuses to get vaccinated because uh, Gary Knoll has told her that Big Pharma cooked up COVID in a lab in order to sell the world the vaccines we're now rallying around. Try as I might to explain to her otherwise, she believes that the vaccine will stay in her body forever and alter her DNA. She For the better. Probably. I think it's only going up from here. Maybe she won't need any supplements. (laughs) She, my stepfather, and my brother, 17, are the only members of my family that have not gotten vaccinated. Well, that's that's, that's some big ones. Even my 80-year-old grandparents are confused by her refusal. It's gotten to the point where I feel uncomfortable being around my mom. Not because I think she'll give me COVID, but because there's this enormous elephant in the room. The fact that she's being scammed by these pseudoscientific charlatan, by this pseudoscientific charlatan, into alienating herself from society and putting the health of herself and others at risk. The worst part is that it's a total surprise. Never in my life would I think an intelligent, liberal-minded person such as my mom would fall prey to this kind of misinformation. Information. It would be one thing if she were conservative and had always felt this way about, about vaccines, but this is someone who works in law, plays first violin in a chamber group, and preaches progressive values openly. We used to be so close as mother and son. She is the Rana to my Jordan. We have tickets to the New York Philharmonic in the spring that will go unused when the vaccine mandate takes effect in New York by that time, and she is barred from nearly all public spaces in, public spaces in the city. How do you convince an intelligent person she's being duped? All my appreciation and admiration to you both, Brandon. Have you? Do you have any run-ins with these with these sorts? Not really. I mean, I yeah. hear about them anecdotally from people who do. There's something about this that doesn't add up. I mean, I do know I do know of anti-vaxxers who are not Trump people. Although it seems like if Gary Nell went to a school that doesn't really have accreditation, it sounds like. And or a f- campus sounds like it could have been Trump University or a spinoff. For sure, yeah. but 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 um, there's something this given the rest of his description of her progressive, obviously cultured law must read real news, not just you know phony you know misinformation. I think get her to a shrink. If a shrink will see her. Uh, maybe it'd have to be a shrink in alabama right Uh, to have a um, face-to-face interaction so there aren't any holdouts in your life frank no one's uh, of getting the vaccine this seems to be a a new trend which is that there are these yoga and wellness people who i mean if you think about you know the circle 
and it's the sort left of, going so far left. Yes, that it becomes all the, right. the way around that these people right. are almost next to each other. No, this it's seems like Bobby to be Kennedy a thing. Junior meeting the yeah the, the Trumpiness. I get that, but I have to honestly say, I'm thinking, I I I know, I know of a couple of LA people who are somewhat nutty, in one case in show business, who have resisted vaccination for crazy reasons of like do with Trump or but it, it may have a little bit to do with Gary Null type things like extreme crazy wellness, pseudo wellness. Is it nonsense. just narcissism though? Is it this idea that your body is so sacred that you couldn't possibly put something in it? But yet a, it's okay to make every five-year-old in the world get a measles vaccination or they can't go to school. I, I think that's a good analysis. And I, I really think, you know, this woman needs help beyond getting the vaccine. I think there's something, someone's that detached from reality. And it, it's not like, you know, she's living in, uh, you know, Keokuk or whatever. And, you know, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, she's living in Manhattan, it seems like, uh, what do you think it say. is in people that, because this is sort of like the QAnon thing. What do they need? Why is it that they need to be the exception and the holdout and the, what is that? I don't know. I think there, I think there's some, there's some emptiness in their lives that they're looking for some kind of quasi cult. Yeah. Belief, whether it be religion or about medicine or whatever, it doesn't even matter. Politics doesn't matter to fill the hole. You know, if, I'm not equating this woman to people who rioted January 6th, but if you read more and more pieces about people who did, sometimes they were quite sane people. They weren't QAnon people. They were people who seemed to pass as sensible, educated, newspaper-reading people, but something went terribly wrong and there was something missing in their lives and somehow this gave them an identity because I... You know, people that are lost. And I think people people that feel like they're losing their grip or their power. I think there is a vulnerability. Or they're standing. They're like reclaiming something. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Also, I do think it always just leads to when you go like very left like that, and even I guess very right, it's some version of libertarianism. It all just becomes that thing. But it's also just like, well, then you can't take advantage of any of the other things in this country. So just shut up. Yeah. A friend of mine who. Oh, go ahead. No, no, please. A friend of mine who run, who's a pediatrician who runs a clinic in Orange County, California. Oh, boy. Said, I was a lot of problems with people, parents not vaccinating. Right. And, and, and creating all sorts of issues by treating their kids for anything, you know, for a cold or whatever. But this friend of mine said, recently, it was about a month ago, two sets of parents separately had defected and got vaccinated. And why they found out you had to be vaccinated to get to Disneyland. Right. And that was their incentive. They, right. They're in one fantasy land and to get into another fantasy land. Yeah. Amazing. They needed a vaccination, so they got vaccinated. So Right. Where's your philosophy uh, then? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So my my guess is everyone the, the has their price. May, the Philharmonic or even seeing her child may not be enough of incentive, but he should find whatever the hell it is. You know, maybe sure. it's going to play craps in Atlantic City. God knows what it is, but 
Do you know what? That's a great piece of advice. Find her fantasy, whatever it is. Yeah. And What's say, her I got to stick to this. You have to get vaccinated, though. Yeah. Otherwise, you can't go exactly. see it. And yeah, we're I all going. see Wicked, whatever the right. hell it is. Yeah. We're going to go Tony and we're Tina's gonna go wedding. On, we're For gonna her, go it's on, Tony and Tina's. We're going to go yeah. on the carnival cruise line of your dreams. Exactly. We're, okay, we're going to do this next question very quickly. Okay. And then, Frank, the most important thing is at the end of the three, you just have, we're going to ask you, we always do a giveaway. We just give it to whoever we feel needs something. Doesn't have to be who needs it the most. It's whatever, whoever we have a feeling. We give for. like a little gift to one of the people who wrote in. And so at the end, you're going to tell us who you pick. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Dear it's Ron like and Queen Ron. for a day. It's like Queen it's, for a day. It's exactly, exactly. We're going to give them a dishwasher. That's exactly yeah. right. Everybody <laughs> gets everybody gets a whirlpool on this show. That's right. That's right. Dear Ron and Brian, I'm not sure. I, I'm not. I'm sure I'm not the first mother. Okay. This. This is two quick letters. Somebody wrote in, then there was a follow-up. Okay. I'm not. I'm sure I'm not the first mother of the bride who should be cavelling over her daughter's upcoming nuptials, but instead find myself in need of advice to thwart our daughter, Jordan, pardon me, as oh, though same me. as my son, different spelling with a Y, uh, our daughter Jordan's intended wedding plans. Firstly, we love our soon-to-be son-in-law who wisely sides with his soon-to-be bride. Secondly, Jordan's father and I are only too happy to host an elegant but in no way ostentatious day. We're excited to walk our beloved daughter down the aisle. Here's where I'm digging in my heels. Jordan asked for a small wedding, immediate family only. We said great and meant it. However, then she said she wanted to invite all her friends and extended family to a large party later that same day. No, in caps, friggin' way, in caps. This is not a bat mitzvah. You don't have an intimate ceremony with a few and then have a huge party that night. I will not invite guests to a party and not include them in the wedding. I find this in terrible taste, insulting to guests, and so wrong for many reasons. I haven't been able to reason with ah, Jordan, with a Y. It's been futile explaining why this is not the proper way to commemorate the day. Help me, Rana. Help, help me, Rana. Regardless of not having the joy and angst of having a daughter, I think you will agree with me. Daughters, you love them. They tear your heart out and we come back for more. Please, I implore your sage advice, which is a dig, Frank. That's how they call me old. Yours truly with an aching heart, Melinda Pressler. Now, we didn't answer that email. And in the meantime, she already wrote in again. Dear Rana and Brian and guest extraordinaire. So the first letter, she's telling her daughter she could have a small party, but not a big one. And her daughter's wrong. I wrote to you regarding our daughter. She thinks her daughter's wrong. I wrote to you regarding our daughter, Jordan, and her intended wedding plans. I was exasperated and needed to vent my frustrations. Also hoping for some validation. Uh, I've reread my letter, and in doing so, I had an epiphany. Oops, too late. I let our daughter know in no uncertain terms that she and her fiancé were free to have whatever type of wedding they wanted and were free to pay for it, too. I put my foot down oh my with both. Gosh. <laughs> she went from paying for, to, for, for it to not paying for it. To just dipping out. I put my foot down with both my daughter and husband that we would be there for their wedding day, but her aunts and uncles and cousins and none of our friends, not that she cared, would be included in this fiasco, all caps. 
Lo and behold, my obdurate stance took hold. My husband sided with me and not our daughter, which has been their pattern in the past. Alas, I'm culpable of enabling Jordan to get her way when turning to her father. This is a mistake I regret, and there's not a do- and there's not a do over. However, what advice do you have for couples whose parenting styles don't align? Perhaps you have sage advice. The dig again for couples learning to parent on the same page. I'm wishing Jordan Page and fiance Page just must be the daughter's middle name and fiance all the love in the world. Mother of the bride, Melinda Pressler. P.S. I find myself becoming my mother, Oi, and wishing Jordan has a daughter just like her. My wow. God. That's loaded. The, the only question she's asking, she didn't ask for our opinion on the rest of it. The only question she's asking is, how do you handle it when your husband doesn't agree with you? And when your kids are too old to give them up. When you're always right and your husband doesn't agree. That's the first, that's the only question she's really asking. But I'm not so sure I agree on anything she's saying. I don't about agree that with one. her at all. I'll yeah. be honest. Yeah. I, I, and Why didn't you way, just you, give her a number? Why didn't you say we'd be you could do whatever you yeah, want? A budget. We'll give there's you $50,000 or whatever it is, $12,000, $2,000, whatever the wedding was going to cost. It's your day. Yeah, or or again, use COVID as a good excuse. If you want to throw a super spreader event? Be my guest. Sure, you pay for it. Thank um, you very and, much. And, and the lawsuits that will ensue. Um, the question of what you you know, the the question about her marriage and how you deal with two different you know, work it out. We you could do you know five hundred hours of uh, podcasts, and you're not going to be able. <laughs> Help unless you bring bring them both in and and uh, uh, you know have marital counseling, some sort of official sort. That's a pretty. That's such an open ended question. Well, something tells me that when the writer doesn't get it the way she wants, it's it's intolerable for everybody. There's no conversation. Yeah. Right. Uh, My advice Uh, would be take a look at yourself. Yeah. It doesn't sound like you're open to compromise. It doesn't. You you want <laughs> put it mildly, yeah. Well, that's what a marriage is. Yeah, of course it and is. And you don't co- and look, anyone who thinks you compromise on everything is crazy. I mean, everyone has their line. So you get your way, you get your way, you get your way, you get your way. And then there's a moment where you don't. And that is where the deals are made in those moments where the other person digs in. Because listen to Steve Sondheim, the little things you do together. Oh, yes. Absolutely. But truly, Melinda, dear, I know you thought you were writing in and we were going to tell you you were fabulous and write about everything, but I think you need to take a little look at yourself. And yes, it does sound like maybe you created a monster with your daughter, but it sounds like you sort of deserve it a little bit also. Dare I say. Yeah. The men, the men is silent. Now I've got the well because I've got the little things you do together running on a loop in my head. Now. <laughs> I can't, I can't stop. It's, it's it's blaring in my head right now. Just so you know. All right, Frank, we're gonna give a gift to someone who we think deserves it the most this week. Are we going to give it to the uh, mother who wrote in, who we just discussed just now, or are we going to give it to? the person who lives in the neighborhood where the the pork shoulder competition or are we going to give it to the uh, daughter who's or the son whose mother is anti-vax 
I vote for the son because the other two people are just clamoring to be with them, whether they want to be with, whether they want those, you know, the big dinner or the big wedding or not. Whereas that poor uh, guy with his yeah. uh, mother seems to be uh, going to the Philharmonic alone, you know, and sort of he, he needs, he needs a lift. I'd and, say. and unfortunately I think that that is a harbinger of what's coming for the rest of his re- The mother isn't going to get less crazy. That's the bad news. Yeah. People don't really snap out of this stuff. This is usually a decline when they start thinking these crazy thoughts, the algorithm feeds them more, of the same ideas and they become harder to reach. So I think so we're going to send him something lovely. Brank, we cannot thank you enough. This was phenomenal. I loved every you story you told me. and every piece of advice was spot on. So thank you a million. And thank you, Frank, Thanks for not me. making me write to the Make-A-Wish people who then had to coordinate the meet with Brian. That's it right. all thank it you. all happened here on the podcast. It did. And it, stuff. did. it all worked so, out. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> and, um, uh, I'll probably be right. Be a questioner the next. In the oh, I ha- oh, I highly doubt it. I'm counting on you right. to solve whatever Soros I uh, come up with. We Have will. a wonderful night at the theater. Yes. And uh, next time we're in New York, we'll have Elaine set something up. And remember, everyone, the butler did it. For everyone watching Succession, the butler did it. I'll, I'll reiterate it here. Right. <laughs> All right. Thank Frank. you, Frank. Thanks. Kiss, Thank you, guys. It's really fun. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, Ronna. Frank had to bounce. He absolutely did. His theater appointment. What do well, we want to the send? Life of Fra- that's the life of Frank. Oh Rich. my God. Are you kidding me? One opening to the next. I mean, truly. Real he New gets Yorker. all the best tickets. He's, I mean, yeah, he of is course. living. He is living. We should have asked him about that. He's living, living the perfect life. Fantasy New York. He life. is living the fantasy life. Yeah, he is. He really is. He is. Uh, so what shall we send to the son of the, of the, Anti-vax mum, do you think? Oh gosh, something nice. Um, what do you think, Rana? What would make someone feel really? Well, we never good? sent. Our last episode, we talked about sending the eye mask, the sleeping pillow. The, and let's the do eye that. Mask. I was thinking that too. The slip. Yeah, exactly. Which was off of your list because I think this is a lot of sleepless nights thinking about the ways in which you've. It's really about loss. How you've lost your mother and how you have to deal with that a little bit. Yeah. I hate to say it. There's no reason your skin or your hair should have to suffer through it with you. Well, <laughs> that's <laughs> always true. Uh, all right, dear. Now, are you going to read the cliffhanger? Of course, Rana. Okay. okay. And you know, this is a hundredth episode. Uh, no kidding. I mean, I just had to reiterate that because- Come on. It's, it's something. A- It's outrageous. It's something. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Here we go. Dear Ronna, Brian, and fabulous guest. He had theater tickets. So good luck, Charlie. There you go. I'm a gay man in my early 30s and have been single for the last six years. In 2016, I moved from Ohio to Providence, Rhode Island for grad school and have since moved twice more for work. From the frying pan to the fire. No kidding. Yeah. I currently live and work at a boarding school in Boston, Massachusetts. Each time I've moved, I've hoped that being in a new city would help me find more dating opportunities. However, being in grad school and teaching at boarding schools are all-consuming lifestyles and have not left much time to work on my romantic life. Though I've been working on myself and love who I am, I've always wanted a partner by my side. Good for you. Yeah, that's – by the way, that's That's, goals. That's the whole battle. That's the whole battle. Yeah. I've always wanted a partner by my side and consider myself a romantic. 
It gets lonely living by oneself. A few months ago, I decided to intentionally prioritize my dating life. I joined mm. a few dating apps like Hinge, since Grindr got me nowhere. Yeah, Grindr's not a dating site. And since then, have been on a few dates that have not progressed into something more that have not progressed into something more meaningful. Amidst an unending stream of weddings, I've leaned on my single queer friends to feel less alone in my single life. However, two of my closest friends have just gotten into relationships seemingly overnight, one of whom just moved to Boston a few weeks ago. Oh. I'm happy for them and oh. obviously wish them the best. Mm-hmm. And yet I find myself struggling and feeling okay when they share good news about their relationships. Snapchats that say, night in with the boyfriend with pictures of the two pairs of feet resting. Well, they're gross. With I don't want to see anybody. I don't need ever. Yeah. Of two pairs of feet resting on a table or texts that share their excitement about finding love when they weren't even looking. They're well, texting all, you that? That's all fake. Of course it is. What do you care? That's fake. That's not going to last. None of that's real. Yeah. Feel like little daggers to my heart. All I can hear in these messages is You need happy new and friends, lucky. not a yeah, new boyfriend. They sound awful. Yeah. By the way, anyone you see someone having the time of their lives on social media, God knows what darkness they just leapt out of for one I, second while the pictures And I snapped. want everyone to remember that when they're looking at your Italian pictures. That's right. Just know I'm yeah. dying inside. Yeah. <laughs> All I can hear in these messages is how happy and lucky they are and how unlucky, undesirable, and lonely I am. I've not expressed these thoughts or feelings to them, however. I want to be supportive and do not want to burden them. I guess my question is, what do I do? How can I balance being happy for them without letting my own insecurities get in the way? Am I being overly egotistical in always looking through the lens of my own struggles? Is there something I could do to make myself more attractive to others and finally find love? Thank you for the advice and laughs throughout the years. Happy almost two-year anniversary. I've learned a lot about myself from the two of you and look forward to your wisdom and wit each week. Kiss, kiss. Joshua, feel free to use my name. Wonderful. Well, join us on Patreon for the answer to Joshua's query. Correct. Oh. No. Nothing Honestly, Ron is saying query. Saying query is absolute gay bashing, Ron. Everything that, intended. It is the height of it. It is the everything of it. intended. Is yeah. I, what I wanted to say? What's your advice going to be for him to just eat a fruit cocktail? <laughs> Only if it's a dull fruit cup <laughs> with extra liquid Ew, juice syrup. Yeah. yeah, that's what they're going to serve you in La Premiere on Air France is a fruit cup. Oh, I don't doubt it. And, I be hope. Mean, and be mean as hell to me, probably. Yeah. Oh, I hope so. I can't wait to hear all about it. Me too. We'll see. Uh, all right. Join us on Patreon. Remember, uh, the Remember. coffee is only here till it's here. It's gone December 31st. That is askronacoffee.com. People are going crazy for this coffee. I, I mean, minds. I have to say, it is absolutely delicious. We're going to have to bring it back. I yeah. might bring it back for Valentine's Day. No promises. I think it's no a promises. Idea. I well, think we'll you should. See. I said we'll see. Okay, Ronna. Jeez. Uh, and but then what does that mean? Vienna and winter uh, in Valentine's Day. Well, well it's Vienna, still winter. Valentine's in Vienna. That's right. We'll figure it out. Uh, it. In any event, we've got that. We've got the Ronica blend. Of course, the Negrana is still for sale at negrana.com and Connor's gorgeous boxes. Five stars, five stars only. All of these are ways that you can support the podcast. People Certainly. talk about how much they love the show. That's how we keep us on the airwaves and how we get a little love from the algorithm. And do not forget December 29 to watch Naomi Ekperigan's Netflix special. The stand-ups. Go yeah. see it. All right, Not even yeah. go. Sit down and watch it. Yeah, go sit. Well, you watch it on your phone or That's stream true. it or whatever. whatever. People, yeah. 
Happy holidays, everyone. We adore you. We love you. And we can't wait to hear all about Brian's trip. That's right. Pictures, pictures to prove it. Pictures of me being so happy. Yes. Kiss, kiss. Kiss and kiss. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.